Our second lesson today is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Well, this is Labor Day weekend, and I always thought it was kind of counterintuitive that you celebrate Labor Day weekend by not working. You know, I thought maybe if it's Labor Day, everyone pulls a double shift because, you know, we're, we're celebrating work. But that's not the way it is because people like having things be easy. In fact, remember Staples? So they have this whole ad campaign and the, the slogan was, that was easy. In fact, they even sell you an easy button. It's like a little joke thing that you can have on your desk, and, and when you press it, that was easy. It's kind of funny because it actually has uh, different languages on it. There's little flags on the side, so I can dial up French. C'est simple. But then what's really strange to me is that you can dial up the British flag because I guess it's not English. That was easy. <laughs> Give me the accent. And if, uh, there's a Canadian flag on here, and it gives you French and English. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, by the way, you know, some churches have uh, creative departments that support worship, and so they have people whose job it is to go out and buy props for the messages so that when the lead communicator comes up with an idea, they go out and find the props. Uh, we don't have that department here. And so when I decided, you know what, I think I'll just go get one because it, it might be fun to have in, in worship. So I, I went to St Staples yesterday and said, okay, I'll just swing in and grab one. Then I realized I'm at Staples on the weekend before the first day of school. That was not easy. <laughs> but we like things to be easy. We assume that that's the way it's supposed to be. It's the assumption that Peter makes, that things are supposed to be easy. And so when Jesus is teaching the disciples that he must undergo great suffering and be killed. Now he does mention the raised part on the third day, but they're probably not hearing that. Okay, We, we, don't, we don't hear that. Kids don't hear about dessert when they've got vegetables they have to get through first. Okay, They're not really thinking about that. So they're not really hearing that. They're just hearing the great suffering and, and the killed part. And of course, Peter 
doesn't think that this is appropriate for Jesus. Now, Peter's a good subordinate. Peter doesn't challenge Jesus in front of everybody. It says Jesus took him aside. So Jesus, so Peter, I mean, Peter took him aside. So Peter pulls Jesus aside and kind of says, uh, hey, boss, are you sure about this? Okay, I, I'm not really liking this plan. Okay, good subordinate, doesn't question the boss in public, pulls him off to the side and says, I think this is not a very good plan. This must never happen to you. Because that's what he presumes. God's way shouldn't involve that kind of hardship. But Jesus is pretty firm with Peter in response. Jesus says, you know, this famous line, get behind me, Satan, which by the way, uh, Satan is just a word that means adversary. It's, it's where you take a word and you turn it into a noun, and, and it, it means adversary is what the word literally means. Get behind me, you adversary, with the understanding that if, if Peter were to have his way, it would prevent Jesus from accomplishing what he was here to do. And so he says, get, you know, get behind me, which just means follow me. Get into the right place. You're not in charge here. I am. So get behind me. Fall in line, Peter, because you are not thinking about this the way God is thinking about this. You're setting your mind on it in the, in the realm of human understanding. You are forgetting how to think about this in a divine sense. The human reasoning is overriding the divine intention, and that means that you're blocking me from my purpose. And then he breaks the private conversation that he's having with Peter and then tells the disciples, he tells the crowd that are assembled, because like a good leader, he understands, you know what, Peter just said this to me, the others are probably thinking something similar to it, so he tells the group of assembled disciples, look, you want to be my followers? It's not going to be easy. You want to be your fo my followers? You've got to deny yourselves. And you have to take up your cross and follow me. See, one of the things that we always have trouble with is figuring out how to figure out what God wants us to do. I think a lot of us would, would look at situations in our lives and say, okay, if you just ask the generic question, would you like to do what God wants you to do in this circumstance? I hope most of us answer yes. I hope to do what God wants me to do in this circumstance. Of course, that leads to the follow-up question. How do I know what God wants me to do? And this is the hard question, right? Okay, which is the path God wants? All right. My favorite story, and I've told it to you a few times, and so some of you have heard this probably for the sixth time, is a friend of mine who used to like to say to me in one circumstance, I would get this advice. She would say, Rich, you know, sometimes when, when, when there's an obstacle in your way, it, it, it just means that God wants you to move on to a different path. And then, in a different situation, she would say to me, Rich, sometimes... When there's an obstacle in your way, that's just the enemy trying to keep you from doing great things. And I'm like, okay, those are the possibilities. How do I... She never gave me advice on how to tell when was which. <laughs> so it wasn't that useful. But sometimes we fall into a trap of believing that when there's a fork in the road, when there's a decision that lies in front of us, 
And suddenly, one way becomes easy. We think, aha, that must be the way God wants me to go. Because it just got easy. Because we want it to be easy. We want the obstacles to fall away. We want to be able to just go down and have it be smooth sailing when everything in the history of Scripture indicates to us that the path of following Christ is not a formula for smooth sailing. It's a formula for getting crucified. It's a formula for getting stoned to death. It's a formula for being thrown to the lions. There are lots of things that happen that we would not consider to be smooth or easy that come with following the path of Christ. At the same time, what is easy? Selling out your theology to fit what's the commercial fad at the time. It's caving in to the, to the masses, caving in to the prejudices, caving in to the values of the day. That's, that's actually easy. So we have to remember that we can't necessarily presume that ease is the indicator of the way God wants us to go. Now, I do believe God intercedes in situations. And what I believe God does in those situations is God can take a situation, and God's done this, I, I know I believe this in my life and many times, where you look at something and you say, I don't see a way. I don't see how it's going to happen. I, it looks impossible to me, and then suddenly it becomes possible. And I do attribute that to God. So I do believe that God will make the impossible possible. But God's not promising that the possible is going to be easy. And these are two different things. You see, we believe that salvation is possible because Jesus went to the cross. God took what would have been an impossible situation, the impossibility of us being able to save ourselves by our own merit, and made it possible through what he did for us on the cross. But if you want sacrilege, that's sacrilege. See, the cross was not easy. The cross was incredibly hard. The cross was the toughest choice for God to make. And God made it to make the impossible possible without making the possible easy. See, if we start to believe that God's intention for us, the way God wants us to move forward, is down the path of ease then you know what's going to happen? We're going to miss a lot of great opportunities. In fact, we are going to end up missing the opportunity to do a lot of great things. Because what makes things great? They're hard. They're not common. You know, We don't sit there and say, oh yeah, there's, they're so great, there's 27 million people who do the same thing. It's not great. Maybe okay. But greatness comes by following the difficult path. Greatness comes when you, you see the opportunity that no one else saw. Greatness comes when, when you scale the mountain that no one else 
was able or willing to scale. And so if we decide that God's plan for us, God's desired path for us, is always the easier of the options, that when we look at the fork in the road, we don't pay attention to what the destination is, we just go, oh, God must, make, must want me to go down that left fork instead of the right fork, because the, the obstacles have fallen away from the left fork, and the right's going to be hard. If we do that, we miss the opportunity to do great things for God. The person who does the great thing is going to head down that tough path and say, I know it's hard. Praise be to God, you made it possible. And when I get through it, we will have accomplished something great. But the hard path is scary. The hard path is always frightening. You look at it and you say, do I have it in me to go down that path? And that's where we rely on God. We rely on God to sit there and uh, to, to believe, to know that God goes with me down that hard path. God supports me down that hard path. God's not going to abandon me on that hard path. And that's how I have the courage to head down it in the first place. One of my uh, favorite preachers I listened to, one of the largest churches in the country, Craig Rochelle, who's located in Oklahoma City, has campuses all over the country, by the way. They're in like seven states. So he's in Oklahoma City, but they have a worship campus called Life Church. They have a worship campus in, in Albany. All right, so, so, so I presume he avoids references to weather <laughs> in, in his messages. But he likes to say this, and I, and I love this quote. Says so the path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. And I think that's true for a lot of us. That the greatness that's potentially in us is something that we have not achieved precisely because it lies on the other side of that which scares us the most. And so we look at that path and we don't head down it. We listen to the Peters trying to say to us, out of love, right? I mean, Peter doesn't talk to Jesus because he doesn't think Jesus can do it. He doesn't talk to Peter, to, to Jesus that way, you know, because he doesn't like Jesus or, or doesn't want him to accomplish his mission. Peter speaks to Jesus that way because Peter loves him. And it is out of love that Peter says to him, Oh no, this must never happen to you. A lot of people who love us will try to talk us out of the tough path because they're trying to save us from the difficulty of it. They're trying to save us from the struggle. Save us from the potential failure. Save us from that potential heartbreak of, of starting out and not going there. How many people are dissuaded from starting a business because a loved one is, is afraid of what will happen if it doesn't work out and they, and they lose all their money? Right? There's so many things where your loved ones, out of an abundance of caution, express their love for you in a way that keeps you from going through your fear to your potential. 
But we trust that God is with us. We trust that ease isn't the promise of God, but rather God's presence, presence with us is the promise. That's why the first of our core values is to live boldly. Live boldly. It's the first of our core values because it expresses succinctly our desire for you, what we believe God's desire for us is. That when we see that scary, difficult situation in front of us that is between us and doing the right thing for God, that we would choose to trust God and be bold and push through to achieve the potential God has placed in us individually and together as a community. And my prayer is that that's what you'll do. That that's what we'll do together. That we won't always pick the easy path. That we won't always say God's will for us must be the low risk, safe, cautious way. But instead we ask ourselves, what's the right way? What's the right thing? Where's the greatest potential for us to do things for God, to make this world more of what God would have it be? And we push through, even when the odds are against us. Because God makes the impossible possible, but not necessarily easy. Amen.